because later I'm going to be praying for people. However, the Holy Spirit wants me to pray. So then I'll need you back up there. Okay. You may all have a seat. I am excited to be here on a Good Friday. And my husband said, you're going where to preach on a, on a holiday weekend? He says, usually the holiday weekends, nobody ever wants you to preach. You know, I said, usually the only time I get off is like Christmas Day. You know, I don't get Thanksgiving off you know, because we always plan a big outreach for Thanksgiving. But thank you so much. It's been a while. And thank you so much. So my message tonight is all about Jesus, of course. No other message. No other reason to exist, is there? Really? I mean, the whole Old Testament goes to Jesus. The whole New Testament is about Jesus. And uh, if you don't have Jesus, you don't have nothing. That's all there is to it. You know, and I know you all have family, and like I do, and you know some of them are stubborn. How many of you know that? How many of you know that you have some stubborn kids, grandkids, aunts, uncles, relatives that don't want to, they look at you like you're local on the Cavessa because you've asked Jesus in your heart and you're radical and you go to church more than just Sunday morning and you actually go to church for a couple hours? What's the matter with you? You know, so they think you're a little strange. Well, my family really thinks I'm strange because I gave up a $2 million business to go preach the gospel. And my uncle still says to me all the time, getting any money yet? And I said, Uncle Joe, it's not about money. I have, I used to have, I used to be the president of the company, but now I don't care about that because you know who my boss is? God. Now, if I get fired, I'm in serious trouble. Because you know what, a, a, a person that has been given a calling of God, and every one of you are called because we're all to be in the ministry of reconciliation. So because God chose you, ordained you, appointed you, and anointed you, you didn't get yourself saved. If you think you got yourself saved, you you crazy. God was after you. He wanted you before you were even formed in your mother's womb. He wanted you all along. He just had to work on you and work on you and work on you. And you finally said, okay. And some were easy and some were a little stubborn. And I was worldly a stubborn one. But you know what? God wants to use each and every one of us to bring in the lost. Turn with me in your Bibles. I'm going to pray first. Father, we come before you in the mighty name of Jesus, and I thank you in advance tonight that people will be healed, people will be delivered, people will be set free, and that your anointing will touch people and transform people. Get Joan Pierce out of the way. Let everyone hear what the Spirit of the Lord is saying. Holy Spirit, I turn the service to you. Jesus, you are here in the midst of us. Because where two or more are gathered, there you are. So, Jesus, you are our most invited guest. And we give all praise and all glory and all honor to you, almighty God, for everything that is done this night. Angels, you do what you're supposed to do. I'll do what the Holy Spirit tells me to do. And we will see the glory of God be manifested this evening. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Turn with me in your Bibles to... Luke, Luke chapter 15. So I'm going to do a little preaching, a little teaching, a little storytelling, a little bit of whatever the Holy Spirit tells me to do. Luke chapter 15, verse 4. It says, what man of you having a hundred sheep, and if he loses one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the wilderness and go after the one which 
was lost until he finds it. And when he finds it, he will lay it on his shoulders and re rejoice it. And when he comes home, he calls together all his friends and neighbors and says to them, Rejoice with me, for I found my sheep which was lost. And I say to you, likewise, there is more joy in heaven over one sinner that repents than over the 99 just persons that need no repentance. Now I'm going to say something. You know what? The angels in heaven have been there a whole long time. And you know what? By now they should be really getting tired. Any of you get tired? You know, even as Christians, do you get weary? Do you get tired? Do you get run down and, you know, you want to pray? I don't know about you, but sometimes I get so tired that I'm reading my Bible. And when I wake up, I, my face is in the Bible and I'm snoring in it, you know, <laughs> like right there, all over in the Bible. Or I'm praying and all of a sudden I'm like this. You know, it's amazing how you can be physically tired. But, you know, can you imagine heaven? Can you imagine heaven that uh, all the angels in heaven are supposed to rejoice every time somebody gets saved? Is that right? So I'm supposed to rejoice. Well, can you imagine that means that somebody is getting saved every second of the day around the world? Well, what if, what if uh, you, let's say you get saved. You get saved today. And they, they go, oh, that little boy, what's your name? Ben. Ben got saved. Come on, angels, stand up. Come on. God told us to rejoice. Come on. Ben just got saved. He's just a little boy, so let's get up. Oh, do we have to get up again? It's forever. We're hallelujah, hallelujah. You know? No. The angels never, ever get tired of rejoicing every time somebody comes in. But the body of Christ sometimes forgets. And they don't get really happy and excited. Sometimes I'll say, you know what? We let three people do the Lord the other day. And they go, oh, that's nice. And I go like, Really? Three people just came in the kingdom of God, and it's like, hum, hum. We should be so happy. But the happier you get, how many of you want to be happy all the time? Full of joy, full of energy, full of strength. You see, I've been doing this for 36 years, 36 years now. And, you know, and sometimes I hear people say things like this. When people get saved and they come to church and they're all excited and they led their neighbor to the Lord and they, they told their mom about it. Because when you first get saved, you have all these unsaved people. You know what I'm saying? After you've been saved a while, you don't have any unsaved friends because they either left you because they got tired of hearing you talk about Jesus or, they, or you already got them in the kingdom. So then you don't have this circle of people. But when you first get saved, you're telling everybody about Jesus, right? You're telling everybody. And some will get saved and some won't. But you know what? God wants you and I to know that he wants. So what happens is people get saved and they're a brand new baby Christian. And they come to church and they're like leading this one to the Lord and bringing somebody, bringing this one to church, bringing this one to church. And some of us uh, people, some people say stuff like this. I'll pick on you. I remember when I first got saved, I was just like you. And I go, really? So what are you saying to that new person? Just stick around after a while. You'll be dead like me, just coming to church and sitting on a pew. Don't say that because, you know what, we need to uh, not do it less but maybe get a little more refined. You know, like when I first got saved, I did a lot of crazy things. Like I got in a lot of trouble. When I was in the Philippines one time, uh, this whole, there was a McDonald's, a McDonald's restaurant in the Philippines. There's McDonald's 
every country, I believe. And so I saw all these people, and I was like so excited. I drove over there and saved about a year, and I jumped up on the picnic uh, on the on the table. Well, not on the whole table, but you know how they have the benches. So I only got about two feet high, and I went, "Everybody, listen to me. I ha I came from America. I came here to the Philippines because I want to tell you all how to, you know." And uh, the people that were ahead of the team weren't like. And they just looked at me like, really, really, Sister Joan, do you have to be so radical? And I was like, so I, I, I refined some, some. But my heart's still about souls because that's what's in the heart of an evangelist. That is, but it's not, it's not in the heart of an evangelist. I know you told them that what is in the heart of an evangelist, but that isn't what it is. That's the heartbeat of God. The heartbeat of God is that all be saved and not one falls short of the glory of God. So if you spend a lot of time in the presence of God, you're going to have your heart get ripped open because Jesus was so concerned that he said here, leave the 99. Now, I'm going to share something here. He left the 99 to go find one sheep that was lost, right? But that sheep that was lost was part of the flock. You follow what I'm saying? So not only are we to go get new people to come to the Jesus, how about all the ones that have been here at one time or another, or you know they accepted Jesus, and at one time they were on fire for God, and now they're off back at the bar or back here. That will break your heart. I know a pastor that had a church of five, 500 people, beautiful church, and you know what, maybe he didn't listen really good, but that's okay, because we all make mistakes, but grace of God and the mercy of God, right? But back a long time ago, TBN and a bunch of big churches in California, where I was from, um, had this 88 reasons why Jesus is coming in on whatever day it was, it was whatever day it was going to happen. You know, we should know not to... Uh, that no one knows the hour and the day, so you shouldn't get caught up in these stupid, stupid stuff. I don't know if that's a good word. I got really upset when they did one about three years ago, and some man, I don't know who, gave $40 million to send magazines and tracts out all over the, uh, and billboards all over the country that said Jesus was coming whatever time that was in March, and I was thinking, what a waste of money. Why didn't you just give me that $40 million? If you'd have given me that $40 million, I'm serious. We'd have turned the cities upside down. We'd have saw the entire cities come to Jesus. But what a waste of money. And then what it is is it's a reproach. It's a reproach to the body of Christ because then the world sees these big billboards that Jesus is coming on such and such date in, in, in 1988. And so this pastor friend caught up, got caught up with it because TBN supported it. So when you, TBN's promoting it, then you think, wow, they all are hearing God. And when all the big churches are promoting it, uh, you know what? We need to learn to hear God, not man. Right? Because we learn to hear God, then we would Because people kept asking me, don't you want to buy a bunch of these books? And I went, no. Well, Sister Joan, what's the matter with you? I said, I just got to check in my spirit not that I don't need to promote this. Besides, the word of God says nobody knows the hour or day. So well, we need to read our Bible. So the poor pastor told everybody in his church, bless his heart, 
he told everybody at church, get as many credit cards as you can, max them up because we're all leaving and getting raptured out in such and such state. So they put mortgages on their houses, maxed out all their credit cards, sold everything they owned, and Jesus didn't come. So he went, lost the church. Last I heard, he's living a homosexual lifestyle and drinking. But I've reached out and tried to save that guy because Jesus said, you leave the 99 and you got to go get the ones that have been in church. So let's not just get new ones in the kingdom. Let's find out where all the people that we've seen in and out of here. Are they still in town? Do they still need somebody to reach out to them, love them and say, it's okay, brother. It's okay, sister. It's okay if you messed up. There's a God that loves you. And he'll give you a chance after chance after chance. We need to have such love and compassion. And if you don't have that love and compassion, you need to ask God, put that love and compassion in my heart so that I'm not always thinking of me, 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 me. Turn with me to Luke. Well, you don't have to turn too far. Luke 16, verse 19. It says, there was a rich man who was clothed in purple and fine linen, and he fared scrumptiously every day. But there was a certain beggar named Lazarus, full of sores, who laid at the rich man's gate, desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores. So it was that the beggar died and was carried into heaven uh, by the angels into to Abraham's bosom, and the rich man died also. And being in torment in Hades, he lifted up his eyes and saw Abraham far off and Lazarus in his bosom. And he cried out, saying, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his fingers in water and cool my tongue, for I'm in torment in this place. Well, I just want to share something with you. How many times, do, I mean, can you, I'm going to bring it modern time. Okay. I know I'm in Nebraska. Okay. <laughs> okay. But I go to all different. Okay. I'm sure you have people like this in Nebraska. Okay. Okay. They have these big million-dollar million, million dollar homes. You follow what I'm saying? We have those, right? We have some people with those kind of homes. And they have gated areas. I mean, Florida has all kinds of gated areas and places that have, they have the gated areas. So you drive up and you, you either put your little coat in or you have your little clicker that takes these big gates and goes, mm, like electric gates so you can drive your Rolls Royce in there or whatever car you have. You follow? Okay. So here's this beggar right there at the electric gate. He can't get in, but he's right there because he knows the man's going to drive up there. When he comes to work and back and forth to work, he's going to put his little clicker on or put his little coat in, and the gate's going to come open, and he keeps saying, please. He's laying there. But Lazarus is laying there, but the rich man passes him every single day and has no compassion whatsoever for him. I believe with all my heart it was a test. I believe sometimes God puts people in your path to see if you'll pass them every day. He might be somebody that you get gas with or it might be the Dunkin' Donuts. I know Dunkin' Donuts or Starbucks or, or it might be the 
Walmart you go to or maybe you go down to the Goodwill and you see the same people all the time. God will put people in your path that you pass every day or every week or every month when you go pay your bills or you go to the bank or you go to the store. And so is it, could it be a test to see if we're going to pass them or reach out and touch them? Reach out and touch them with the love. You don't have to preach a message to them. How you doing, Susie, today? You doing good? You having a good day? Yeah, somewhat a good day. Well, just remember, Jesus loves you and he'll always take care of you. Have a wonderful day. That might be your start. And little by little, they know you're a Christian. And then some days you'll see that they look sad or depressed. Susie, how are you doing today? You don't look like you're real happy. What's going on? You see, as God, just you start building little relationships with people with the intentions of loving them. Whether they ever get saved or not, let's love them and share the gospel. Because God is watching to see if we're going to be like the rich man that just goes right past the people every day until he's dead and they're both up there and he's in Hades and the other one's in Abraham's bosom. says, now, have the guy reach out. No, no, no. You, you had everything you wanted in your lifetime. He had nothing. Now you're asking him to dip and give you a drop of water and all he wanted was crumb, a crumb off the rich man's table. So we need to remember that God has people that you're going to pass every day that need to be here. But most of all, they need to be in the kingdom of God. And, and you're the only one that can reach them. You're the only one because each of you have different personalities. I'll be sharing that tomorrow at the workshop. So I, I pray you all come out. You all have different personalities and you're going to reach different types of people. And you're going to all be in different areas and you all have different relatives. But God wants to use each and every one of us. He wants to use us. Because of the kingdom of God. So then he says, then the rich man says, well, send somebody to warn my, my five brothers. He goes, nope, nope. I'm not sending nobody to warn your five brothers. You know, you had your whole lifetime. Why didn't you talk to your five brothers? That you weren't even saved. So he's not going to let somebody from the dead come and tell. So what, what it means is we are the ones with the wand. You ever see those where they run and they, and they pass the wand? We're the ones that have the wand to preach the gospel for this generation. Whether you're young or you're old, you, you can reach the ones that are at your school. You can reach people on your job. You can reach people. Now, you don't cram Jesus down people's throat, but they need to know by your actions that you're a Christian because you never know when they come to work and something's happened and they find out somebody has cancer or their marriage is falling apart or they're going to lose their job. If they know that you're a Christian because of your actions and your lifestyle, then when they have a need, they'll come to you. But if they don't know that you're even a Christian and that you're, you're open, you know, you have lunch breaks. On your lunch break, read your Bible. I'll share a little story that happened. I never know what stories I'm going to share, but here's one. You know, I was taking a bunch of people out evangelizing. Can't remember where now. And I, and I went into McDonald's right after. I was going to go back to my hotel and going to go get me something to eat and then go back. And you have to be led by the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit will speak to you. And if you're, you know, ask the Holy Spirit and you pray in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit will speak to you. So it wasn't 
at 2 or 3 o'clock in the afternoon, so it wasn't a busy time. It was like half empty, pretty empty uh, McDonald's. And so I walk into the girl that's there, and she looks up at me for me to give her the order. And all of a sudden, I heard the Holy Spirit say, ask her if she wants to accept Jesus. And I'm like, what? I haven't even talked to her yet. You know, you start, I mean, I teach people small talk, you know, build a relationship. I, I don't teach just come on like boom. But you also need to obey the Holy Spirit because you don't know, you don't know what part of God's plan you are. You see some plow up the ground, some plant the seed, some water, and some bring in the harvest. So you don't know who's been talking to her, and she's at that point of salvation. So you have to do your part. Sometimes you're going to be the one that plows it up, and somebody tells you to fly a kite, get out of my face, and you just plant a little seed, and somebody comes along. Because we're all co-laborers, but God, but God's the one that brings in the increase. So anyway, I, I hear that again. So I look at her, and I go, would you like to accept Jesus? And I'm thinking, like, okay, Holy Spirit. And she goes, wow. She goes, wow, this is so exciting. And I said, really? <laughs> and she says, yes. She says, my, my, teacher, my teacher has a Bible, and she takes her Bible to school, and on her lunch breaks, I always see her reading her Bible. And so I went up to her because I'm having all kinds of problems at home with my mom and my dad, and, all, and they're getting a divorce, and I just got all these broken heart. And so I went to my teacher, and I, I, I said, I see you reading the Bible all the time on your lunch break. And she says, I really can't tell you too much because I'll lose my job because I'm, you know, right now as a teacher. And she says, but she says, you need to accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior. She says, can you tell me? She says, well, I don't think I can right now. She says, but maybe somebody w can help you. So that just happens that Friday on their Saturday. And I said, would you like to accept Jesus? And she had, her teacher had already planted the seed and, and told her, you need to find somebody that can help you find Jesus. And she goes, yeah, that's what I want. And I said, really? And so I looked around real quick and I said, wow, nobody's out here. And nobody in the kitchen. They're all in the back cleaning stuff. I said, well, just give me your hands right now. So I said, can we pray right now? And she goes, yeah. So I said, okay, but you don't just let them come to Jesus. I said, what time do you get off? She goes, I get off in about 15 minutes. I said, I'm going to be eating went right around the corner. So I want to explain to you a little better of what just happened to you. And so come over to, I'm going to be sitting right there. And then I got her name, address. and But you see, it's a God thing. When you ask God, when you ask God to start using you in special ways, he will because he wants us to reach people. So what I'm saying is reach out and start asking God to use you more mightily. Why? Because we need to know, just like the rich man and, and the Lazarus, because this is what's going to happen. Turn with me to Luke. It's still Luke 17, but in verse 26. 26. Luke 16, 17, 26. But as it was in the days of Noah, so it will be also in the days of the Son of Man. They ate, they drank, they married wives, and they gave in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark. And the flood came and destroyed them all. Likewise, also, in the days of Lot, they ate, they drank, they bought, they sold, they planted, and they built. 
And on the day that Lot went out of Sodom, it rained fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed them all. Even so will it be in the day when the Son of Man is revealed. So we know how many of you feel in your spirit. How many of you feel in your spirit that it's late? How many of you feel an urgency that we have a timetable? We don't know God's timetable, but there's something in my spirit that is actually, hold on. There's something in my spirit, and, and I've been really praying. And, and actually, that's why I'm here, to be honest with you. Um, I started praying, and I have all these books books for churches from all the 36 years I've been ministering. And I, and I prayed, and I said, God, the harvest is plentiful. And I said, and, and the churches need to get more activated to get soul winning back into their lives. Because, listen, because it's easier than ever. And I'll tell you why it's easier than ever. It's easier than ever because the unsaved person is petrified. Are you hearing me? The unsaved person is wondering if they're going to go to the show and get shot up or if somebody's going to drive a car through something. They're wondering if there's going to be a nuclear bomb. They're wondering how long this is going to last. They're wondering if we're going to have it collapse. They are, there's this fear factor that's in the unsaved people right now, and that is why they're, little, they're literally wondering and worrying. Some of them are buying guns, which I have no problems with guns. You know, I have a gun too. Anyway, um, in fact, they can't take our guns away, and I'm just letting you know, so I let you know how I stand. Because my husband watches this history channel, which drives me crazy. I said, if I watch what Hitler did, I said, I am so sick of looking at it. Hitler, 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 and all of that stuff, okay? But the, one of the things that they do is they start what, don't go there, Joan. Anyway, you're already there. Just finish it. Okay, so, so propaganda will make you think, hate the Jews, okay? Right now, there's propaganda going on in our country. Hate the Christians. Are you hearing me? There is a movement, hate the Christians. There is some law that's trying to be passed in California, in California right now, cannot preach the gospel outside of the four walls of your church. There is a antichrist spirit in America trying to destroy the church and destroy our country. So, so that's the first thing is propaganda. And then the second thing is Hitler did is took everybody's guns. You know, you can't take the guns. Because you know what? The good citizens are going to need a gun, and the robbers are always going to figure out where to get the guns. And if they all know you don't have a gun, then they can just rob your houses and rob your houses and rob your houses and rape your people and do whatever they want to because they're not afraid of getting shot. So anyway, enough for politics. All right. I'm pretty strong on that too. All right. Anyway, that has nothing. But anyway, where I was back to is the end is coming, and we need to be ready because people are going to go crazy if things start happening, and we need to be ready to pick them up and say, don't worry, trust in God. God's got the answer for you, honey. Don't be, a word. don't be afraid. And we need to share the love of God. We need to share. They don't need to hear condemnation. I hate it when I see people say, turn or burn. I go, that is not the way Jesus did it. Jesus said, where are your accusers to the woman that was caught in adultery? Where are your accusers? 
when Mary Magdalene came in, and he's having dinner with all the Pharisees, here comes this prostitute. She, she, didn't, even, she didn't even come to his front. If you study that, it said, Mary Magdalene, come, first of all, let me just stop. I don't think people walk around town with alabaster jars of oil. Okay? I don't think Mary Magdalene was walking around town with an alabaster jar of oil. You know, that's really precious. They said that bottle of oil was worth almost a year's wages. I don't think, you know, it wouldn't be like you're walking around town with your gold stash or your money stash or all your bank money. You know what I'm saying? So what she heard, she heard. You see, when you start sharing your faith, and I'll be sharing that tomorrow too. When you start sharing your faith and everybody's talking about Jesus at the mall or the store, then it kind of becomes a little buzz of, yeah, I heard some people talking about Jesus, or I saw something about Jesus, or I saw a movie about Jesus, or some literature. You know, I'll be talking to you about literature. Vast literature. Just Let's just take your city and blast it with Jesus and see what happens. But anyway, so she heard about this Jesus, and somebody said, she's going over to have dinner. He, Jesus is going to have dinner with those Pharisees. Well, she didn't go straight there. She went home first to get her alabaster jar because what she thought in her heart was, I'm such a bad sinner. I am such a wicked woman that if I don't have something to offer to Jesus, he's going to turn me away. See, some people think they have to buy salvation. You follow? Because they're so bad, they don't realize it's a free gift. So she went home and got her jar of oil and came in, and she wasn't even invited. That's pretty desperate. She wasn't invited to the luncheon. She comes in, and she actually comes in and goes behind Jesus. And she starts weeping and crying and pouring the oil on his feet. And they all said, who does he? Man, 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 because we got to watch. There's a whole bunch of Pharisees. You think they're only back in Israel? No, I don't mean in Israel. I mean, you don't think they're back in old Bible times? No. No, 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 no. They're, they're here in America, and they're here in your town. And, and they got so many rules and regulations I'm the last church I preached at. Marty says, you're what? And I said, they said I had to wear a hat. He goes, you're not wearing a hat. And I said, well, I mean, you need to be all things to all people. Anyway. And then, you know, some you have to have this and you can't have that. And you have this and you have that. You know, listen, this is a true story. My dad asked me and Marty. We swung by. Uh, he's in Oklahoma. So we swung by and spent a few days, and, he, and my dad said, will you go to church with me? And I said, sure, Dad. So I have this wonderful dress that I like. I happen to like red. Okay, I like red. Um, so I have this dress that's really pretty, and it's got fringes on the bottom like the uh, Roaring Twenties. So when you move, it goes, and so it has layers and layers of this. Okay, and I have short hair, and I had makeup on, and my earrings, and Marty at that time had long hair because he had like a little afro thing going. And um, so anyway, we went to church with my dad. And Marty kept saying, something strange about this church. And I go, what? He says, you feel it? I said, no. But the service hadn't started yet. He says, there's something of, of strange spirit. I go, yeah, I kind of feel it. But 
but he got it really strong. I didn't. My dad's there and his wife's there. We're sitting there. And they, the pastor comes up and says, we're trying out a new pastor. I don't know how that works. We're, we're interviewing a new pastor that might become your pastor. And so he, he got up. He has to prove to everybody that he'd be good, right, whatever the denomination is. And he says, well, I'll just let you know that if I, if you vote me in as your pastor, I will make sure I keep the rules of our denomination. And I won't have anyone with a red dress and looking like a floozy sitting in our service. I said, Marty, I think he's talking about me. And he said, I won't have any men with long hair, too. And I was like, great. And he said, and he went on all the rules you'll have to have. And he said, I'll, I'll honor all the rules. And then they were going to vote. And he said, lady, you in the red dress and the guy with the long hair, could you get up and leave? I was like, Dad, did you tell him I was a minister? He said, nope. I said, well, don't. We'll be in the parking lot. Now, how did they know that I might have not been saved? You follow what I'm saying? Okay, if I look like a floozy, maybe I'm not saved. Although, you know, I'm a minister floozy. But anyway, <laughs> but what I'm saying is we, religion kills, kills people. And so what I'm saying is, we, the people out there, because I've been doing this for years, they're a little fed up with churches. They don't want to go to church because they figure this is what's going on in church. All you want is my money. You just want to get me to church so you can get my money because there's so many gimmicks going on. So we have to go out and we need to spend time laying line upon line showing them that we are real Christians. We love like Jesus loves. We care for people. And they aren't going to see it by just us seeing it. It's when they see us bringing baby clothes to somebody that's maybe been stranded and needs a crib. Or maybe an older lady that's a widow that needs a fence fixed. And maybe somebody's yard that needs to be taken care of because, because they're crippled. And then we reach out and love people with the love of Jesus, and, and, and start letting them see Christ in us, the hope of glory. And l then as we do these kind deeds, we can start sharing a little about Jesus and, and visit a little bit more. And there's so many people here, here, right here, that are so many older people that are so lonely. They talk to themselves. Turn with me to Hebrews. Oh, no, turn with me to Isaiah. Isaiah 5. Isaiah 5, Isaiah 5, 14, Isaiah 5, 14, I love this scripture. It says in Isaiah 5, 14, it says, therefore, and I'm going to put the actual word in, hell has enlarged itself and opens its mouth beyond measure. Is that amazing? That God has to make hell bigger than what he originally planned it to be to fit the people that are headed there. It says hell has opened its mouth wider. So let's get it so that we lead as many people to Jesus as we can to keep them from going into hell. 
You know, so many people tell me, don't say hell. I go, what? You're going to go to a little bad place. <laughs> Not according to my Bible. It's a terrible place. Hell is a real place. It's a place of torment. And, and nobody, we don't want nobody going there. God doesn't want anyone going there. He never made hell for humans. He made it for the fallen angels. And the false prophet is not, it's not what they do. It's the choices they make. You have to choose Jesus and not cho choose the ways of this world. And so, so then he wants us, because it says in Isaiah, watch, I'll flip this over, because it'll be today. Okay, we're still in Isaiah 5. And now we're going to go to Isaiah 5, 20. It says, whoa, this sounds like America right now. Woe to those who call evil good and good evil, who put darkness for light and light for darkness, and bitter for sweet and sweet for bitterness. You know what? That's where we are in America. That's exactly where we are in America. The people that are doing good, they get told off that they're being evil. And the ones that are doing evil is saying, well, look what we're doing. We're helping all these people by aborting babies so they don't have to worry about raising them. This is a good thing we're doing for these women. No. No, no, no. They're calling evil good and good evil. And we need, we need to say there's no standard. We are the standard. And sometimes in the churches, I wonder about the standard. Because some of the churches have so much of the world in them, you don't know who's who and what's what. But we need to be about our father's business. Turn with me to Hebrews chapter 2. Hebrews chapter 2. Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 2. And let's start with verse 1. Therefore, we must give more earnest heed to the things we have heard least we drift away. We don't want to drift away, do we? No, we don't want to drift away. It says, for if the word spoken through the angels proves steadfast and even transgressions and disobedience receive just reward. So all the angels, okay, let me like, kind of clear this up. All the angels in heaven rebelled. So many of the angels rebelled. Lucifer went around saying, come on, join my ranks, join my ranks. Because Lucifer wants to be God. So he got a whole bunch of angels to, I mean, can you imagine? I mean, I have a hard time with that. I really have a hard time wrapping my head around it. That you're already in heaven. You're already in heaven. You actually get to see God face to face. The presence of God can't be any stronger than in heaven. And, and Lucifer talks him into rebelling. I tell pastors all the time, because Marty and I get to minister to pastors a lot, like sometimes all night, because they feel so heartbroken because they have church splits, because church splits are terrible, because your family all gets together, and you all go to the same church for years and years, and you know each other, and then somebody takes half the church somewhere else, and it's almost like a divorce. It just, it's something that hurts. So then the pastors, when they have a church split, go, why didn't I see it coming? Why, why didn't I? And, uh, and they feel like they failed. I said, hey, 
Let me say something, Pastor. Do you think God failed? And they said, of course not. I said, but you think you failed. But you don't think God failed. No. I said, well, the first church split was in heaven. First church split was in heaven. So don't go beating yourself over the head. I mean, if God had a church split and you have a church split, well, let me tell you, don't worry about it. Just rebuild and go forward. So what I'm saying is it says if the angels in heaven, because of their disobedience, got their just reward being cast out and they'll be in hell forever and ever, then it says how, next verse, very powerful here, next verse, how shall we, how shall you and I escape if we neglect such great salvation, which at the first began to be spoken by our Lord. Who's the first person to preach the gospel? Jesus. He preached the gospel everywhere. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent. He preached the gospel. First person to preach the gospel. John the Baptist was just preparing the way for him to come preach the gospel. Jesus is the first to preach the gospel. The Lord and confirmed to us by those who heard him, which was the early church, the apostles heard him, and then they started preaching the gospel. God also bearing witness both with signs and wonders and various of miracles and gifts of the Holy Spirit according to his will. So Jesus is the first to start walking in the miracles and preaching the kingdom of God is at hand, seeing people give their heart to the Lord. Then the apostles on the day of Pentecost were filled with the power of God, and they went around doing signs and wonders and miracles. So one of the keys of evangelism is you got to move in the gifts of the Spirit. you got to have the Holy Spirit. You cannot be an evangelist, and I don't mean evangelist like me, evangelist. It doesn't matter if you're evangelist or, or what. You can't be a soul winner on your own. You need the Holy Spirit. Because no one can say Jesus is Lord except the Holy Spirit has prepared the way. No one can come to Jesus, no matter how much you try to talk them into it. If God isn't working already on them, you can't get them to get saved. You can't make people get saved. You can't put a gun to their head and say, repeat this prayer right now. No, it won't work. They have to mean it in their heart. And God will order, order your footsteps, and he'll order everywhere you go. So we can't neglect this. We need to just say, God, we're running out of time. This is what we need to say. God, we're running out of time. And I know a lot of you have been used of God, and, and you want to be used of God. But we need to, like, say, God, we need to be like, What's his name on TV that cooks? Kick it up a notch. Oh. Anyway, never mind. It means we need to ask God, take us, take us to another step of glory. Take us to another step of glory, God. I don't know about you. I'm being honest. I mean, I'm being dead honest with all of you. And you haven't seen me in a long time. I am so tired of being where I'm at. that I am going to run away, and I'm running away. I told the pastor, my husband and I are running away, April 23rd, and we're going to go. We're not, we don't know where we're going, 
exactly. But we're going to go off to the mountain. And we're going to, we haven't even got nothing yet. We're going to buy a tent. Marty says, honey, you know, it's going to be really hard for you. I said, oh, forget it. He says, you can't just sleep on the ground in a sleeping bag. I says, forget it. I can. You just have to roll me over and maybe help me up. I said, just, just when we get there, we're going to buy a tent. And I told him even today when he talked to me, he said, I said, honey, they have these blow-up beds that when you blow them up, I said, they're not on the ground. They're kind of like about two feet up. And then, I, you know, if I roll around too much at night, I'll be rolling off the bed. But it doesn't matter. And we're not going camping just to be camping. We have reached the place where we said, Joan and Marty Pierce, We want to see people come out of wheelchairs. We want to see such miracles that people for 100 miles will start coming. We have a tent that sits 1,000 people that God blessed us with. And we're having a hard time getting any pastor in the entire United States to say yes. And that is sad. Put a newsletter out, we put it on Facebook, we put it here, and we just put any pastors out there anywhere in the United States that would like to do a tent revival. We spent $35,000 a year ago, year and a half ago, to get everything because pastors didn't want to use their sound system, which I understand they're, they're cemented in, and then generators. It used to cost a fortune, it used to cost $10,000 to do a tent revival. So we said, we'll fix it. We'll fix it. God, how can we fix it? And he said, if you have everything, so we have everything now, $35,000 worth of everything. That wasn't the tent because we already had the tent. We have the chairs. We have the generators. We have the sound system. We have the stage. We have everything. The only thing we didn't buy is porta pots and we refuse to buy porta pots We're not going to be dragging porta pots across the United States. So now we can say to a pastor, just find a piece of dirt. Because most of the time we can find, you know, a field or a parking lot or Walmart or Kmart, and they let us use their parking lot, and we even do it on blacktop, and we have to fix the blacktop. So we can do a tent meeting now with advertisement and everything for about 2000 3000 instead of ten. Why? Why do we want to run away and pray? Because we know. That it's got to be like the book of Acts. And they have to see miracles. Because our very first tent meeting we did, people heard about the miracles clear in San Francisco. We were 60 miles away. Listen to this story. 60 miles away having a tent meeting. And people were being healed of this disease and healed of that disease. And a lady that was on welfare, welfare, in San Francisco, in a housing project, her friend called her on the phone and told her about the miracles that were happening in this Vallejo, where we were. She did not have a car. She went door to door in her housing project to people she knew and said, and this is a long time ago, if I fill your tank up with gas and give you $50, will you drive me 
to this tent meeting 45 minutes or an hour away and stay and bring me back. And she finally got somebody that wanted the 50 bucks, which came. He stayed for the whole tent meeting, brought her. She had a tumor, huge tumor. When she came up and got prayed for, it disappeared because she's desperate. Marty and I are desperate, and we're going to spend some time because we want God to take us to a whole another realm. And we, Church of America, are on the verge of the greatest revival that has ever swept the United States. I'm telling you, I know that, that I know it, that I know it in my heart. And do you want to be part of it? Or do you want to be left behind? Let me just share this real quick. It wasn't part of my message. You know, Jesus, it says that Jesus had more than 500 disciples. You can read that. 500 followers. You read that in Corinthians, right? 500 Yet, on the day of Pentecost, there was only 120 up in the upper room, and about 20 of them were women. So that means 400 people that Jesus personally say, I'm inviting you to an upper room experience. I'm inviting you to an upper room. I'm inviting you. He invited them all. He's no respecter of persons. He told every one of those 500. But only 100, if you take about 20 women, 100 showed up for the great outpouring of the book of Acts. So how many are going to really be ready and serious and reading their Bible and praying and saying, God, start me now. Start me out. Start me out just handing a track to somebody. Maybe you don't know how to talk to them. You just, I have some tracks on the table. I'm going to give everybody a few tomorrow. Um, and you're just going to go hand it out. It's, it's a great weekend to do it. Tomorrow I'm going to give everybody a few tracks. I don't have that many, so don't let too many take them tonight. Anyway. So I only brought a few things. And, and you just, if everybody has two, it's a good place to start. You just go somewhere and you say to the waitress, tomorrow's Easter. We're celebrating Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. Please take time to read this. Yeah, and give her a good tip. In fact, put your tip in with a folded one inside. Say, here, just take time to read this. It, it just start out, if you start out with the smallest things, if you start out just small, Oh, God, if you just start out small, God will see your heart. He'll see your heart. He'll see your effort and say, that person, that child, that teenager, that man, that woman is serious and wants me to use him. And they're starting out at the smallest way. And when God sees your heart, he'll expand your heart. That's why Marty and I are running away and going to camp. I have no idea where, but it's okay. I just hope it's not 120 degrees or something. Yeah. Well, I'll just go jump in the water, you know. We've done it before. We just go find the sprinkler system and pour water over us and cool off. But anyway. So God is telling us to go forward. Go with me to Romans. And uh, could you come up and start playing the guitar? I don't know how long I go. I just go till the Holy Spirit tells me to. But I'm not done just because he comes out. No, I'm far from done. So we need to be led by the Holy Spirit. Go with me to Romans chapter 8. Verse 1. 
There is therefore no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. Everything we do needs to be led by the Holy Spirit. I wrote this book just last year, or maybe last year, anyway, whenever. Uh, the Holy Spirit had me write this book because what he said, what the Holy Spirit said to me is my church needs to know how to hear my voice so that their life and their family's life depends on it. Because if you learn to hear the voice of God, you will be home when there's a disaster. You won't be where there's something happening when you learn to hear God. And the Lord told me that we need to get so the supernatural becomes natural, not something that we say, oh, wow, I had this awesome experience two years ago. People come up and tell me, oh, you, your stories are so neat. I had this experience 10 years ago, two years ago, three years ago. It should be lifestyle. It should be two days ago, last week, month, you know, that kind of recent that you keep seeing things happening, God putting all the pieces together. So I wrote this book to encourage people to be ready for what is coming upon the earth. Because God wants us to be. And then I got this, this as who we are in Christ Jesus. When you know who you are and the authority you have, you can tell these demons to get lost. You can walk in signs and wonders and miracles. You can do great and mighty things because it's not you. It's the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead. The same Holy Spirit, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power who went about doing good and healing all. Oh, do you play the keyboard too? Thank you. You can go ahead anytime. That God anointed Jesus, and he was so yielded to the Holy Spirit that he said, everything he did was what the Holy Spirit told him to do. You can get that way. So there's no condemnation because the devil's the one that's going to say to you, you should have been doing this and you should have been doing that. Some of you might be feeling a little condemned right now because of my message. Don't let the devil do that to you. Just say, shut up, creep. Maybe I haven't talked to everybody. Maybe I've been like the rich man going past people every day and not talking to him. But that's going to change tonight. Because this message, that's going to change tonight. Because I know the Holy Spirit told me. A lot of you are like, wow, I should have. I could have. I want to hear God. Because God's, this next move is not going to be done by you know, I have this saying, anybody that knows me very well, and maybe I even said it when I was here before, but I tell everybody this, and I mean it with all my heart, there are no superstars in God's kingdom. There's one superstar, and his name is Jesus Christ, and when other people try to put themselves up on a pedestal, and some ministries try to, like, look at me, yeah, really, we're only only as good as what Jesus will do through us. That if we humble ourselves and be obedient like Jesus was. He was obedient to the point of death on the cross. All we got to be is obedient to do what he tells us to do. Talk to who, give to who, do whatever God tells us to do. Sometimes it's just making an extra big spaghetti. 
I know it sounds crazy, but Marty says, the only two meals I know how to cook is spaghetti. And he hurt my feelings, actually. He says, told me the other day, you know, honey, he says, you really need to learn to cook. He was upset because of the way I was making these scalloped potatoes. And he says, just do it this way. And I says, I don't want to do it that way. This is the way I do it. He goes, do it this way. It's so much easier. I said, fine. He said, you, he said, you really ought to know how to cook more than spaghetti and pepper steak. Well, he actually forgot. I know how to make meatloaf, too. But, and I know how to cook pork chops. But he's right. So I've been thinking. I'm going to call a bunch of my friends. Tell me your favorite dishes so I can... Do you have any favorite dishes so I can cook them on the campfire when I leave? I don't know. I won't have an oven. I'll probably really do a good job on the campfire if I can't even cook on a stove. <laughs> but anyway, hot dogs. But anyway, what I'm saying is we need to be led by the Holy Spirit and let the Holy Spirit lead us and not live in the flesh. And it goes on in verse 6. But we are not of the flesh, but in the spirit, if indeed the spirit of God dwells in you. Now if the spirit does not, um, wait a minute. Now if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, he's not his. And if Christ is in your body, is dead, of sin, but by the spirit of life and righteousness. But if the spirit of him who raised Christ from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through the spirit who dwells in you. Verse 14, for as many as are led by the spirit of God, they're the sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you receive the spirit of adoption where you cry out, Abba, Father. And the Spirit, Holy Spirit himself, bears witness with our spirit that we are a child of God. And if a child then heirs and heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him, that we may be glorified with him. I'm going to share one more story and then I'm going to be praying for people. My pastor asked me, to take take time off the road. He came to me with a bunch of the elders, and I'd been traveling for quite a long time. My pastor said, Sister Joan, can we get you to stay home? And I said, what for? And he goes, well, we want you to do what you do out there when you go from church to church with our church. Can you Can you stay home for one month and help us establish all kinds of outreaches? And I said to the elders of the church and my pastor, I said, Pastor, I just want to say something to you. And all the elders were there. And I said, I can only do what God will allow me to do. So as long as you know that I'm going to be here for a month and, and you know, I said, you got to wait till I can schedule it in. And then they said, well, how much do you usually get a church? And they, I said, don't worry about it. But they said, well, you got to live. You know, I said, yeah, because that's my only income, actually, is what people give. So I said, I can't, I can't do anything if you don't, if the Holy Spirit's not there. 
Well, I was like shocked what the Holy Spirit did. I was absolutely shocked. Within one month, 52 ministries were established. But it wasn't because of me. It's because of my pastor. See, he put so much in the people that they'd been waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting and had the word of God. And I feel like right here, there's something ready to, I feel this in my spirit right now. There's something in your church that's ready to explode. I'm telling you, what I'm, the story I'm going to share with you, I believe a smaller scale is going to happen right here in your church. So my pastor asked me how to spin these ministries out. I said, I have no idea. I have to do what the Holy Spirit says. Anyway, all these ministries happened supernatural. It was awesome. I'll share a little bit of it tomorrow, how it just came together. But one of them was uh, doing streets. So from every end, it was like, it was from having a halfway house to food ministry to puppets and skits and dramas and concerts and all kinds of ministries got birthed. But one of them that I'm going to share the story with is a bunch of them said, we want to go down and do street witnessing down in front of the bars. And I went, okay. I said, so we'll, we'll do that. So I had a group of about 20 that wanted to do that. So what we would do is we'd go down to the bars, but we don't want to be at the bars too late when the people are too drunk. But we don't want to be there too early because they don't go drink until about 10. So we go down there about 9 o'clock, and, we, and the, the lady that started this ministry that we helped birth did it for 22 years until she passed away. 22 years. Rain, snow, sun, hot. They're, they got a little ministry going. We're faithful every Friday night for 22 years. She passed away, and the person that took it over didn't keep it going. So in the summertime, we'd have big pitchers of Kool-Aid, and, and we'd have watermelons and cantaloupes and, and hot dogs. And in the wintertime, we had big pots of soup and chili beans and coffee. And we had these little, we finally got a little trailer, but that night we just set up tables and I can't remember if we did hot dogs or whatever. And so then I told everybody how to witness to people. So some ladies came and said, Sister Joan, there's a lady over here giving us a bad time. So can you minister to her because we don't know what to say to her. So I said, okay. So I walked up to this lady and she was a tall lady. And I, I said, hi, I'd like to talk to you a little bit. She goes, yeah, some of these other people want, want to talk to me about Jesus. You probably want to talk to me about Jesus too. I was, yeah. I said, I'm up, we're out here, you know, giving out refreshments and talking to people about Jesus. She goes, let me tell you what I think of you, Jesus. So she's getting in my face. And I said, look, Jesus loves you. Why are you so mad at God? She goes, you Christians are all alike. She goes, does it look to you? like I'm walking in a church. See the sign on the wall? Doesn't it say so-and-so bar? I says, yeah. She says, well, if I wanted to go to church, I know where the churches are. I says, yes, but when's the last time you walked into a church? She goes, that's none of your business. I says, yes, I see you're ready to walk into a bar. But we're bringing, we're not bringing church to you. I'm not trying to bring church to you. I'm trying to bring Jesus. 
She goes, yeah. And she got right in my face. Yeah. She says, I know what you're all about. She says, you want to get me to go to church with you on Sunday morning so you can strut me around your church and look. Look at, I got points for heaven. I got one in. And then that's all you care about. And I said, no, that's not all I care about. And she goes, well, why would you want to help me? And then the Holy Spirit, boom, went right in my heart and said, you know she's a prostitute. Invite her to live with you. I went, really? And I had a mini vision. I'm telling you, I have these mini visions. Sometimes when I pray over people, I have mini visions. I saw my TV disappear, my jewelry disappear, my microwave disappear. I saw everything in my house disappearing. And I saw this mini vision, and I heard the Holy Spirit say, Joan, what's more important to you, your things or her life? And I said, so I, I just said, I would like to invite you to come and live with me. And she said, what? She said, I said, well, you can come live with me. And she goes, what? She said, why would you do that? Why would you invite me, a total stranger, to come live with you? And I started sharing with her. I said, because I know a girl that was 22 years old that had two babies and was pregnant for a third. And she was thrown out on the streets. And she was homeless and on the streets of a total strange town. And she went in a phone booth and said to the boys, be quiet, boys. And for the first time in her life, she cried out to God and said, God, if you are real, I'm homeless. I'm pregnant. I have two babies. I don't know what to do. About that time, this prostitute says, would you stop with your story? You're messing up my mascara. And she's trying to not cry. I said, and a total stranger. I called. The Lord told me to call a phone number of somebody I met. And a total stranger took me and my babies in her home. And I stayed there for a couple months till she could get me on welfare. And she was there when I had my babies. And I said, that's why you can come live with me because somebody cared for me when I was in a time of need. I said, you don't need to do this anymore. You don't need to sell your body. You need Jesus. And about that time, her employer, you know what they're called, pimps, came and said, Leave my girl alone. She needs to get in the bar and start working. And he dragged her by her arm, like pulling her in. And I went right into the bar with her. And I said, wait. And he said, I told you to leave my girl alone. She's got to go to work. I said, I'm done. I handed her my little yellow book that's out on the book table. And I said, my name's Joan. Here's my phone number. If you change your mind, call me. And I said three times to her as he's pulling her away, Jesus loves you. And there's a better way. And he's pulling her, and he's getting mad at me. And I said, Jesus loves you, and there's a better way. And I said it a third time. Jesus loves you, 
and there's a better way. And, she, and they went off into a room. I went home, told everybody to clean up everything. Went home, sat in my house, couldn't sleep. Got home about midnight, 1 o'clock, and sat in my little rocking chair and prayed till almost 5 in the morning. I said, Lord, I said, convict that girl. You know, Lord, I will let her come live here, and I'll help her. And I asked the Lord how long, too. Oh, I couldn't believe it. I thought it would be maybe a week. He said, uh, until she has a job, a car, and can get her own apartment. She lived with me for over six months and became a missionary to Africa. So I prayed until all hours of the night, went to sleep, and about the time I got in bed, phone rang. She said, this is Cobra. You serious about taking me home? I says, yep. She says, I'm at such and such phone booth in front of such and such store. I said, I'll be there in about 15, 20 minutes. I brought her home. She said to me in the car, I'm a cocaine addict. I'm going to be miserable to live with. I said, that's okay. We'll get through it. And she said, what have you done to me lately? And she told me. And there's kids in the room, so I'll watch what I say. She was in the middle of doing her job. And uh, she said, and all she could hear in her head was Jesus loves you and there's a better way. She finally told the guy, I'm getting out of here. Got her clothes and put them on and came. She said, I took such a heavy hit of cocaine and I couldn't figure out why the cocaine wasn't working because in order to do my job, I have to be pretty much wasted. He said, I even got up and took a second hit. The cocaine wasn't working. None of it was working. All I could hear was your voice saying, Jesus loves you, and there's a better way. And she came and lived with me and became a missionary to Africa. And we helped her get a house and a car and everything. We need to learn to be led by the Holy Spirit. I'm not saying that God's going to do that to you, but he might just have you take some of your, that's why I got off on that cooking thing. I know how to make spaghetti. He might just have you, when you make spaghetti next time, make an extra big pot and find somebody in town that's lost their job because, believe it or not, groceries are high. And if somebody just takes them a few extra meals or casseroles, it really helps on the budget. There's little things you can do to bless people. Father, we come before you in the mighty name of Jesus. We give you praise and we give you glory and we thank you, almighty God. You're an awesome God. And Lord, we all want to be used of you. We give you praise and we give you glory. And we thank you, almighty God. We thank you from the bottom of our heart for dying on the cross. And you were obedient. Jesus, you were totally obedient to the point of death on the cross. You died and gave your life for us. Now it's our turn to pick up our cross and follow you. And do what you want us to do. And we give you praise and we give you glory. And we thank you. Now, right now, I really feel in the Holy Spirit speaking to me that if you want to be used of God and you're saying, I really want to go to another level and I want God to use me to be led by the Holy Spirit 
anyone on this side of the room that wants to be prayed for, this side, come up and line across the front, and I'm going to pray for you. We'll pray for this side of the room first, and then we'll pray for that side. Second. Just make a line across the front. Just one line. We'll pray for the other side in a minute. Now, for you on the other side, I want you to pray. I want you to pray for them to receive from God. I want you to pray, and when it's your turn to come up, they're going to be praying for you. I want you to put your hands up to the Lord like this, and I'm going to tell you why. If you go to fill a car up with oil, you need a funnel. So make your hands like a funnel, like this. Yeah, like a funnel. Because the Holy Spirit's going to just pour oil in on you. The Holy Spirit's going to come and pour oil on you and give you a fresh anointing tonight. Repeat after me. Father in heaven, I desire to be used of you, to go to another level so people will be saved, healed, and delivered. It's my time. For you to use me. Holy Spirit. I ask you. To forgive me. For all the times. That you tried. To get me to do. And speak to people. And I didn't listen. I let fear cripple me. Or being too busy cripple me. I ask your forgiveness. I ask you, Holy Spirit, come and fill me with a fresh anointing. I will listen and I will obey so people can be saved. I will lift up Jesus. Let a fresh anointing fall on me now in Jesus' name. Push, get ushers, be ready. Ushers, push up on my catch. Jesus, Jesus, catch. Come on, ushers. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Jesus, there it is. Fresh anointing. Catch. Catch him. Jesus. Fresh anointing. Fresh anointing, the oil coming down from heaven on you right now. There's oil coming down from heaven. Oil coming down from heaven right now. Oil coming down like a funnel. Oil coming down from heaven right now in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Jesus, more Holy Spirit, more, 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 right in there, more, 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 soul in his heart, soul in his heart, and she'll weep for souls, she'll weep for souls, she'll weep for souls, she'll weep for souls, it's okay, she's got a spirit of heaviness on her, 
And Jesus is healing you too right now. There's healing going all through your body right now. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. More, Holy Spirit. More. More. Fresh anointing. There it is. In Jesus' name. Free Jesus. Fill them up. Fill them up. Fill them up. Fill them. More. In Jesus' name. Okay, anyone on this side that wants to be prayed for? The Lord's healing you too. God's healing your back right now. Your back and down into your legs. How long have you been having pain in your back? And it goes all the way down into your legs. And it causes your feet to go numb sometimes. That's right. Right now the Lord's doing a healing all through your spinal cord. Right now. There it is. Right now through that lower back. Catch him, you guys. His lower back is being healed right now. Anyone else? Okay, just come on and you can go some of you on this side. There's room over here. Get behind her for a second. The Lord's healing you. The Lord's healing you, honey. You've been through a lot of pain and a lot of sorrow and a lot of rejection. And there's been a heaviness on you, uh, a worry. You're like a real worry wart. And the Lord says you've been worried over many things. You've been worried over your finances, worried over your family. The Lord's taking it off of you right now. Right now. There it is. Put your hands up like a funnel. Close your eyes. Reach up and touch Jesus. Touch Jesus. Say, Father in heaven, I want to be used. I want to tell people about the love of Jesus. Holy Spirit, I want to be obedient. I want to be used of you. Please, Holy Spirit. Forgive me for all the times I've been too busy or too afraid to tell people about Jesus. Stir up that gift in me. Stir up the gift of evangelism in me. That I will be used of you. That I will hear your voice. And I will obey. So people can come to Jesus. Use me. And let a fresh anointing fall on me in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Let a fresh anointing, a fresh anointing, a fresh anointing. There it is. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. A fresh anointing. There it is. In Jesus' name. Catch her. A fresh anointing. Jesus. A fresh, fresh anointing. Fresh anointing. Jesus. Jesus. Jesus, more Holy Spirit in them. Jesus, Jesus, more, more, more. Use them for your glory. Use them for your glory. 
Use them for your glory. More. Evangelist heart to go inside. Evangelist heart. There it is. There it is. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Jesus, like your anointing. There it is. More. More. Catch us, you guys. More. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Brushana Michael. In Jesus' name. Jesus' name. Stir up those gifts. Stir up those gifts right now in Jesus. There it is. Jesus. Catch him. Jesus. Use her for your glory. Use her for your glory. Fresh anointing. Fresh anointing. More Holy Spirit. More. More, Holy Spirit. More. More. Jesus. 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 Do a miracle, Lord. Do a miracle in these lives right now. Do a miracle. A creative miracle. A creative miracle. Healing. 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 Any of you ushers want to get prayed for? Let's take turns. Jesus. Jesus. Jesus, let the anointing. More. 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 Glory of God. The glory of God. In Jesus' name. The glory, the glory of God. Just receive it. There it is. Use them for your glory. Use them. Use them. Use them. Use them. More. More. Fire the Holy Spirit upon you. The fire of God. The fire. Love and compassion. That's what the Lord told me to pray for you. Love and compassion. He's going to fill your heart with so much love. So much love for people. That he's going to use you. Every eye closed. If you do not know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. If you are not 100% sure if you would head for heaven. Today's the greatest day to do it. Today is the day of salvation. All you little ones. Are you sure you're going to heaven? All you older people, are you sure you're going to heaven? Because just being in church won't get you to heaven. Is there anyone that would like to ask Jesus into your heart tonight? You would? Okay, anyone else want to raise, ask their Jesus into their heart? Okay. Is there anyone that wants to rededicate your life to the Lord? Okay, there's two of you that raised your hand. Did you raise your hand? No? Come on up. 
Is there anyone that would like to be filled with the Holy Spirit tonight, like the day of Pentecost? Anyone that wants to receive the infilling of the Holy Spirit? Come on up right now if you do. Anyone want the filling of the Holy Spirit? Okay. Come on up. You want to come right over here. Come right over here. I think there's a little boy too. Where'd he go? Does he want it or he has it? Okay. You want it? Be filled with the Holy Spirit. Anyone else? You can't be led by the Holy Spirit if you're not filled with the Holy Spirit. That's why Jesus told the disciples, wait until you get filled with this presence from on high. Okay, everybody in the audience, stretch your hands. Okay, close your eyes, all, all four of you. Close your eyes. Just say, dear Jesus, you are my Savior, and I love you with all my heart, and I will serve you all my life. I'm asking you, Father, for the gift of the Holy Spirit. Jesus baptized me with the Holy Ghost and fire. Holy Spirit, come inside of me. Fill me to overflowing. As an act of faith, I'll let you use my mouth and my tongue to speak a new language. Not an earthly language, but a heavenly language. Fill me now. And I just start speaking in tongues. Go ahead. That's it. Keep doing it. You got it. You got it. Keep doing it. You got it. Keep doing it. Okay, you got it. Catch her. You, this one's got it too. Keep doing it. Louder. That's it. You got the Holy Spirit all over you. Oh, yes, it's all over you. Keep doing it. Keep doing it. Keep doing it. Everybody pray in the Spirit. The Holy Spirit's all over. Catch her. Yes, let go of your hands. Go ahead, start speaking in tongues. Let it come out. Catch him. Go ahead. Let me hear it. That's it. That's it. You got it. Keep doing it. Keep doing it. Keep doing it. Praise you, Jesus. Praise you, Jesus. Praise you, Jesus. We give you praise. We give you glory. We thank you, Almighty God. We thank you, Almighty God. You are wonderful, Lord. We thank you for your presence being here tonight. We give you praise and we give you glory. Could you do me a favor? Lead us in a praise song, high praise song, something. I don't know what, but a high praise. Let's all stand up and just worship the Lord and thank him. You know, ten lepers came and asked to be healed, but only one came back to thank him. Let's, let's just have a song of worship to thank God for what's happened tonight and what's going to happen tomorrow and Sunday and continue happening because I really feel in my spirit your church is on the verge of something big happening and a change. So let's just sing the song, and the next voice you'll hear is your pastor. <laughs> 